Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 33 with Anthony Petrillo. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. I have a couple of things I'd like to share with you today. But I don't want to take any more time before today's interview, so make sure that you listen all the way to the end, and I'll share all of that with you then. All right, let's get started. I'm really excited to have Dr. Anthony Petrillo on the line with me today. And I'm also really excited because this is the first of three interviews we have scheduled that are centered around the Transformational Education Network, otherwise known as 103. Anthony is a missionary with SIM, that's the Sudan Interior Mission, and he was a mission to Niger- a missionary to Nigeria. While he was there, he started coupling discipleship with computer literacy training, and that grew to a school that now has over a thousand students. Then, in 2007, he founded the Transformational Education Network. Their objective is to bring hope to the next generation of Africans, and they do that by developing leaders who are knowledgeable, have a thorough Christian worldview, and who show the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, Anthony, I've given just a little introduction. Can you take a minute and tell us about yourself and your ministry? We'd like to get to know you personally. Myself and the ministry, the minute part is always the hard part. Um, I love my work. I've learned to love the Lord as I've grown. Um, my heart for education uh, probably comes from the fact that I uh, was not raised a Christian and have keenly felt the impact of uh, a non-Christian education on one's life. And God has amazingly worked in my life um, in, in many, many ways to uh, hone me in for the job that I have to try to advance uh, Christian education by helping the church in Africa to uh, pick up the ball and, and by God's grace, become leaders in education in the world. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Anthony. Now, we know that as a missionary, there are a variety of different lifestyles, if you will. Some people are called to the jungle and life looks one way to them. Other people are based in one place and they travel a lot. Can you share with us a little bit about what life looks like for you right now as the as the leader of the Transformational Education Network? Yeah, people look at me pretty strange when I say I work uh, in Africa or with this ministry for Africa, and I tell them I commute, and they, and they get a good chuckle out of that, especially when the <laughs> commute's like a 46-hour uh, trip. Um, but I, I basically have uh, 
three or four jobs depending on the time of the year. My major job, and it's full-time, as is with 10-3, and uh, I'm the president, but I also work in the curriculum department uh, under Jenny Beth Alford, and I do a lot of writing. That's always been where, where my strength has been. And so there's co- common times when we have meetings with people from all over the place on Skype. So that's a, that's a big part of my job, working on on the curriculum, and I can do that anywhere in the world. Other times I go out to Africa to do training, and often those will be a few weeks at a time. And I focus on uh, teacher training or administrator training um, so that they can then use what we have with their students. Uh, so that would be the ten three side. It's a kind of a funny commuting job. And then <laughs> uh, the Lord, interestingly, um, this, this is an interesting story, one, not a cool story. Um, I have a, an, an eclectic set of degrees that in 1980s, when I finished up some of them, um, were very, very lucrative. I have a computer degree, and I have a master's in business administration, I have a PhD in math and computer ed, um, and I chose to be a missionary, and, and I love it. I'm, I'm glad I, I made that choice. Um, but with that um, <laughs> comes you know, some financial differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been supporting missionaries through the years. And in 2008, when the economy took a hit, uh, our support uh, felt it. And so for a few years, I was looking for a job. And even though the doctorate and everything, um, schools weren't really interested in uh, in me, I mean, why do they want somebody that focuses on starting schools in Africa and, and helping the African church develop their own program? Um, so I, I wasn't getting any any anything. And then uh, last summer, near the end of the summer, it was getting to desperation state where I I needed some other extra income, and uh, so I called uh, uh, the Christian school down the road and asked if they had anything. I mean, sweeping floors, uh, whatever. And the guy uh, said, how about IT? Information technology. Uh, we need somebody in IT. And so I contacted our IT guy and uh, in, in computers, IT versus uh, the software development and tor- and writing courses on computers and stuff like that. That's like a really widespread. That's like uh, you know a- asking a Catholic to become a Baptist or something. I mean, it's a it's a big spread, bigger than that even. And so I contacted our technology guy and I said, um, "What do you think?" And he said, uh, "You really stink at that, but if you do it, we'll get a book." And I said, and he said, that's really an important book uh, for Africa right now. And so mm-hmm. then uh, I contacted our small little curriculum department, and I said, what do you two think? And one of the guys said, well, <laughs> you really stink at that, but I'm really good at that, and I'll help you. And uh, I have to tell you, I, tears came to my eyes. How do you? Mm-hmm. Where do you get an organization where another guy is going to help somebody with his job? And, yeah. um, I just I love the people in Ten Three. They literally these guys, this team, men and women. They would lay down their lives for each other. It's it's a very special 
we call ourselves a platoon, and we have a specific job, and, and uh, I'm just proud to be with them. Then Jenny Beth, the curriculum department head, said, you know, we've been praying and asking God what to write on next. It sounds like he's given us some direction. <laughs> and so, interestingly, you know how God works. He, he threw out something else so that I'd have to work through this. Uh, there was a place that actually did give me a job offer where I could teach, be a professor. And so I, I had a choice of, you know, going and being comfortable teaching things I'm used to. Uh, there were some drawbacks to the job. Um, or starting at the bottom again in computers and uh, working on it. Wow. So I took, I took the bottom. I took the IT job. I absolutely love it. I love the school. Um, it's, it's Houghton Academy, and I, it's just so exciting. A couple of years ago, over 20 kids gave their lives to Christ. These kids are coming from Africa and China and different places. I, I love the interaction with them, doing the whole IT. But the really cool thing is, just like uh, both Ken, the IT guy, and um, Jenny Beth said, we are getting materials. I'm learning stuff, and I'm just turning it into materials, and that's that's something that God has allowed me to be able to do a gift he's given me. And uh, we had our first book. Well, it's probably just starting to be used this week in um, Africa that came out of that mm-hmm. that year. And we've got probably two more books we're expecting to come out of this year. And so it's exciting. So that's my job. I go down to the school, and that's actually where I work a lot of the time. And I hook onto the Internet, and I work with 10.3 there. Then I help the people at the school. And, uh, and then sometimes, you know, the school's fine with me commuting to Africa. So when I uh, do training, I'll fly out and do training. Um, and then my other jobs, uh, one of them is a uh, snowboard instructor. So I live in a <laughs> part of the world where I can do that. And, um, that's, that's a lot of fun too. And I get, uh, we're going to come back to missions and I might touch a bit on that and, and missions you have. I saw some of your questions and, uh, it, there's just so many opportunities to reach out. And so that's yeah. that's yeah. what my life looks like. It's busy. It's great. Um, I'm I'm really blessed, and I like I like being in a, a position where I can be at home and also be able to be in Zambia or wherever else I need to be. Wow. Well, th- thank you for sharing that. I that there was so much value in what you were sharing right there. Um, I didn't expect to get all of the the challenge and the aha moment and all of that stuff right there, but that was wonderful. As we get started, I would like to know, is there a scripture or a motivational quote that's really been meaningful to you? I have a life verse that in in First uh, John 2, 6, says if we say we abide in him, we ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. But as I prayed about this particular interview and the questions you gave me, there was two verses that um, did come to to me that I think I'll try to uh, um, build my answers about because the questions you gave I almost sat down and started to write you a book on it <laughs> like um, my my you're you're good at interviewing and making concise Matt's good at that too I'm not I mean <laughs> so what I'm going to try to do is not tell you everything but to focus on Psalm 37 23 and 24. Uh, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. And also Second Timothy one twelve, 
I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So those also have been huge verses in my life. Can you share with us a little bit of how those have shaped your life? I know whom I have believed. Uh, the word know is about knowledge. My whole life has been about knowledge. I And to, and to know God is is all all that really is the ultimate. And so because my life was about knowledge, I, I prided myself very much in knowledge. I, um, I did really well in school, um, and my mind worked at a very rapid um, pace. And so rapid I'd get myself in trouble. <laughs> they probably would have put me in Redland in the schools today. <laughs> but... Um, the, the the problem I had was my brain worked in parallel uh, five thoughts at one time, and I remember one time I was preaching, um, and one of the other threads in my brain said, "What happens if the wrong thing starts coming out of the mouth?" And uh, and so um, so knowledge was really important to me, and. Um, I wasn't like, wasn't raised a Christian and, uh, actually one of the things that challenged me, uh, was, uh, when someone was telling me about, uh, Jesus loved me. And, um, by that time I was just a young guy, just, just starting college. And I was a budding philosopher that had the idea that there was no such thing as love. I'd only seen it used as a word to get your own way. And, um, so this kind of, when he said he loved me and he, he died for me, that's how he showed it. That, that piqued my interest. Um, now I had gotten smatterings of Christianity, um, and even been taken to church and stuff as I was growing up. So I, I literally thought I was a Christian. Um, and if we were looking at things chronologically about eight years into my walk with Christ, he did show me a time when I actually did ask him into my heart when I was just seven. Um, so <laughs> there I was, this seed that was just waiting to grow, and uh, and that person started the, the watering process. Um, and so I started to, you know, look into the Word, and, and I really wanted to know, you know, what the Word had to say, and I started growing in in my walk with Christ. Um, but this, this verse uh, became very, very important to me because all of us live in a fallen world. Um, and what, and even if we didn't live in a fallen world, even if we lived in, in we all had Adam and Eve's ch- chance, uh, we would all blow it in different ways. Um, we, we all have situations. So pride, for example, um, knowledge, I became prideful of my knowledge, and we know what the scripture says about that. And um, very, very, I was very, uh, what I thought was very important, um, at least to me. And so God brought in one of the highlights of my life, and that was in the form of uh, leukemia. And I had a, a very aggressive form of leukemia that hit actually when I was a wedding at a wedding in St. Lucia. And um, I wasn't expected to survive. 
And that was a wonderful process where I knew I, I knew where I was going. I, I, there was not a fear of death, uh, but there was a frustration that I did not have the peace to surpass his comprehension that is mentioned in Philippians. My children had posted at the foot of my bed, you know, be anxious about nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God will surpass compre- what surpasses comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. My wife had that peace. People came to comfort her and she comforted them. Um, but I didn't have that. And I started to ask the Lord, why? Why don't I have that peace? I'm not afraid to die, but I don't have that peace. And that's when the Lord revealed to me uh, my arrogance, that knowledge had become so important to me, and I thought so much of my own opinion that I, I literally thought my opinion was equal to God's. And, and I know that sounds radical, and no one would ever think they'd think that. Well, maybe not, but you ha- were battling some kind of pride or some kind of sin somewhere. And that was the one that uh, God wanted to work on uh, in me. And when he revealed that to me, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't an instant uh, process. The revelation was really cool. Um, God does a God communicates with each of one of us in different ways. First and always, starting with His Word. Um, well, I, unless the Word is not available, then He'll He'll work other ways. And then His Holy Spirit guides you in understanding His Word. And then he'll use other things like people and books. And one of the ways that God has often directed me is through books in, in amazing and miraculous ways. Like the time I was praying about competition. I wanted to understand competition. And I was in Japan and there was no English books except for this one book by Janet Lynn. And in her book was a chapter on competition, which shaped my mind. And so God just has had this way of bringing books into my life. So one of the books... When I went to the hospital and didn't even know I had leukemia and got stuck, ended up staying at the hospital. God used, and I had been reading it two years earlier. I stopped at page 80. Starting at page 80, when I started asking God those questions about that peace that doesn't surpass comprehension, he started to answer those. And the answer was that my arrogance and thinking my opinion was equal to his. And it was a wrestling match for days. And when I confessed my sin, he forgave my sin, and he brought that peace so strong that the um, medical people there, they were shocked. And they, they, they asked me to share with other patients that were, you know, on the same boat of mine of not knowing whether they're going to live. And, my, and mine was an extremely aggressive uh, one, and they really didn't expect me to live. And so I said, I'd be glad to, but... I feel like my hands are tied behind my back because it's Jesus that's given me this peace. And they said, no, 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 your hands aren't tied behind your back. <laughs> See, they can't legally talk about Jesus, but I could. And, and so, and that, and that was that, that, that verse, I know whom I believe it came from a proverb I wrote. It says, all I know is Jesus loves me. All I need is Jesus' love. All I want is to love, is Jesus' love. It covers everything. Now, some people get real theoretical. Oh, no, you know other things. I'm like, it's a proverb, dude. And it's all <laughs> about really what you know. 
and and I know him whom I have believed. I know Jesus. I I literally know Jesus is more real than me. And that's a whole nother story. So you ask me about it if you want. I'll tell you about it. But it's just some real cool things where Jesus made it clear that he is not only does he know more than I know, but he I know I know he is real. I knew he was real before I knew I was real. And I know that sounds crazy, but God just has these ways to work with us from where we are. And if you're intellectual and so on and so forth, he's going to work with you if you seek, if you really, really want to know. He'll first humble you. <laughs> yeah. And then he'll he'll teach you. And and um post cancer because of the treatment, I, I don't have my own blood, I don't have my own marrow. Um, I had a, a transplant. Um I'm very healthy, I thank God. Uh, my doctors were like, We don't have people going back to Africa when I started asking them about yellow fever shots and stuff and they're like, Well, we've never done this before and, and it's just been a great, wonderful trip. And the the thing is, one of the side effects of that treatment was um, I don't have those five parallel processes anymore. Not only did he um, teach me I wasn't as smart as I thought he was, but he literally slowed me down. Yeah. And, in, and the thing is, it's much nicer. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, I like it. I don't, I don't want to go back to five parallel processes. You just, uh, um, I like being quote unquote normal. Matt will tell you I'm not normal, but <laughs> so that's, that was a long story, but that's why that verse is so important to me is I know whom I have believed. And I know that he's going to take care of everything that I've committed to him. So Anthony, I appreciate you so much sharing that story with us. We know that not everybody is called to vocational ministry. In fact, I know that our audience is primarily made up of people who are living in the U.S. and who are called into the marketplace. They do care about missions, but that's not where God's called them. So what would you say to somebody who is operating in the marketplace, that is their calling, but they're starting to wonder if what they do in the, do in the business world really matters for the kingdom? I really liked it when I saw that question on a list because I'm an oddball missionary. In fact, when we first started with missions in the early 80s and we were going to do computers in Africa, people were like, why are you going to be a missionary? I mean, what are you doing out there? Um, but then when we actually got to the field, and particularly when we when I started becoming, you know, teaching and stuff, I become Malam. Malam is teacher uh, there. And I had a part in society. And so very much, it was very much marketplace. And I, and I, I, I lived my marketplace in another way. So I wasn't this idea of a, like a church planning missionary, uh, which is what well, we raise a question. What is that? Um, and, and, and the people there raise the same question, you know, what is that? Whereas a person that fits into the marketplace and you have a part in society, all of a sudden you can start speaking into that society and then be involved. Now, I don't want to say that, you know, church planning doesn't have a place, but it, it typically works best if you got some place in your society and you're a team, like a pastor and a, and a teacher and a, and, a, and a doctor type combination. Then now the people, it start making some sense to them. So with, with that marketplace mentality, what I've often told people 
I hear people, I used to hear this, you know, statement, we're all missionaries. Well, that's, that, that's not quite, it, it, I get the fit. I understand mm-hmm. where they're trying to go with that. But the answer is we're all Christians. And all of us Christians have that same purpose of glorifying God and sharing the good news. And the, what a missionary is, is someone that has been called out by the church to be sent to, to, to share that gospel somewhere somewhere else with a different group. And so when we think of everybody being, being Christian and we all have this place, then while we're in the marketplace, we ask ourselves, uh, wherever that marketplace is, where, where whatever we're doing, we ask ourselves, well, how do I glorify God? How do I share the gospel? Um, and the, there's some key things. With the, the different trainings are all good, but the, the key things that so often we, we overlook because we think they're just too simple. The first and most important is what I think the way St. Francis uh, put it is preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. We need to be living that. And to do that, we need to constantly be seeking the Lord and walking with him. And that's where that other verse that I brought up comes in, where it says, it doesn't say, ah, it says we're going to stumble. And and he holds our hand and and he picks us up. And there's constantly problems in life. And when we, when we just, just are willing to embrace those problems, um, and that, going back to the leukemia, the best advice I got was just embrace it. And that's an old saint said that too. I can't remember the exact saint. You embrace the problems that come at you. You hold on to Jesus's hand. You learn to constantly look to him and walk. And I don't care what marketplace you're in, you are going to be preaching the gospel very loud. So don't be discouraged. Just keep drawing closer and closer to God. He's there, and and the more you seek him, the more he will grow grow closer to you, just as he says. And he will help you to share the gospel, and you might never even say some words. Yeah. You know, I feel like I could probably just kind of let you... Um, talk all day. In fact, I'm I'm probably going to abandon some of the questions that we had listed there because you've already shared so much with us. Um, but I do want to make sure that we take a little bit of time to talk about the transformation, the the ten three. Um, and what I'm wondering is, could you share with us uh, what you saw in Africa that made you that sort of put you on this track where you said, you know what, they need somebody to help them with this. God in my life has only shown me usually it, it's kind of a weird life he shows me enough to it's kind of like you're on a trip and you see a hill and you can see something up there and you're supposed to go to that top of the hill but he doesn't show you what's beyond it because you'd be overwhelmed mm-hmm. and uh sometimes he shows me way into the future some things but in the day-to-day walk or in the year-to-year walk it's often just enough to get to the next stage. So, with this whole um, this whole process here, I, I actually went out um, for the mission to do administrative work and set up uh, some computers and evaluate how um, this is the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. 
to see how this church that SIM had started, which now was over 3 million believers, how they could start implementing using computers in the administration. And while I was out there, I uh, trained uh, another missionary from from Ireland, and he pretty well take, took over my job. I did the evaluation and what we call systems analysis, mm-hmm. and I was planning to go home and get transferred to another field uh, when a uh, man named Rick Smith, he had started a program that was at least 15, if not 20 years ahead of it of its time. We were just doing some of the things that he was doing in the late early, early 90s. And he asked me to teach a course for Columbia. Um, yeah, I think it's Columbia International University now. It was Columbia Bible College then. And, and computers. And so he finally twisted my arm and talked me into it and I, mean, I love teaching, but he wanted me to do it in a, a short period of time, and I didn't like that. But I wrote a, I wrote a, a little book, very small, and I taught the course. It went over really well. He actually flew me to Liberia to teach it there, hmm. and um, and then I went home expecting to get transferred to Kenya or someplace else. Um, at the same time, the Lord uh, was telling me to go back to school for a doctorate. And I didn't understand that because I, I hate school. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Okay, God, I'll do it. And just just as a little aside, my entire life has been where I've been told either by God or by leadership to do something. And often it's not something I want to do, but I obey. And that's when you see the things come forward and if i could what i tell my kids always obedience is strength if if there's any attribute in jesus christ that is stronger than love it's obedience and that's that's what shows love and so i obeyed i i I started back at school and i got a i got a research project um which in weeks, which is miraculous on a, on a doctoral level. It just doesn't happen that fast. My advisor was scratching his head wondering how that happened. And uh, I talked to the missions, and the missions said, well, you were in Nigeria. Why don't you see if, if they want you to do that research? So I sent out my proposal. And the mission director then, a very good friend of mine, told me years later, he said, you know, when I saw that proposal about doing education, and I almost threw it out. I was like, we don't. We don't have people doing that. So anyways, the mission um, director thought they don't need education. We haven't, we were, the the background of that quickly is that the the educational door was closed in the 60s for missions. It it wasn't even an option. So research on education didn't make any sense to him. He took that down to the head of that church, Dr. Yusuf Uchiraki, who, of that church of three million and and put it on his desk he looked at it and then he told the director he goes this is the exactly kind of person we need bring him in and see he knew he he could see far enough ahead that education was opening up and that research would work so i went to nigeria i did my research doctoral research there um it went really well it was a very exciting year 
at the same time, it was discouraging because I'd lived in Nigeria long enough to know the electricity didn't work, the water didn't work. How in the world are you going to do, you know, education didn't work. The people are on strike. It was just really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I finished a doctorate and I figured, well, I still have some time in my term. So I'll go back and I wrote a book on how to teach how to learn computers without computers. Um, and, and then I expected to just, you know, pack up and go home. Uh, but a small, the Houghton college had sent out, had given me um, six computers. And so that, that dropped into the computers coming out and Dr. Taraki, I started, uh, I was going to start training some guys I was discipling for a year and then I was going to leave and I was going to do that in a garage. Um, my neighbor had some space in his garage. I had six old computers, and so let's just train these kids, and then I'm going to go, these young men, and then I'm going to go home. Um, Dr. Taraki found out about that, called me to his office, and says, we will not have a computer show in the garage. You will start the best computer school in the country, and I will give you space. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. And sure enough, it did end up one of the best uh, institutes. And in fact, if you go back to the root for the University of Abuja and the University of Jos, their roots are from that institution. Um, and so that's how that first school started. Um, just as a little interest point, that school has now graduated over 9,000 students. Wow. And uh, has lasted over 20 years. Then in what did I do? I, I listened, I obeyed, I wrote a little book. We, we, this is kind of cool. The church announced just in that one city that we were going to do some computer training. This is 19, September 1993. We had hundreds of people. That was on Sunday. On Monday, we had hundreds of people there in line waiting to get an application. Wow. We picked, wow. We picked 12 students. And we basically gave them an English and math test, picked 12 students, or, and three of those were administrators at the, at the church that were going to take over once we got something up and running. So we were planning that this was going to start into something. I took that book that Rick Smith's group had uh, got me going, and uh, I taught them that. And there was some time when the computers were sitting, so they started teaching other people. Basically, uh, the school just kind of grew. Wow. And I like, to, I like to say that basically I'm God's amanuensis. I watch what God does through his people. I write it down. Um, I put it into a form that people can then use, and then they, they use it. And so I, that's what I did was I just I taught them. They taught others, and uh, a school came into existence. And we went from 12 students to 300 in that two years. Wow. And then I left. Wow. I left, and some of the administrators I had trained uh, took over. And one in particular, Mr. Tunde Jacob, uh, took that school from um, the 300 to over 1,000 students at one point. Um, he was a very gifted administrator. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch God used the different gifts. Um, I am a, I'm a starter. I can get things up and running, but he's he was the guy that could really you know make it function at a larger level. And so that school started, and then 
I got transferred to Senegal to try it again. And the positive things that were happening there were that uh, it was a new language. It was a new culture. Would the model work? And we did the exact same thing again, and it worked. It worked across the cultures. It worked across the model. It, uh, it's a very West African. Actually, it, it would work anywhere, uh, the principles, but it uses the African indigenous principles, which in my dissertation, educators basically pointed out that unless the uh, indigenous principles were used, education is not going to function well, which was being lived out. And so in about 99, the church administrators at the Nigerian church called me back from 98, 99, somewhere in there, called me back from Senegal to have a talk. And they said, okay, your school's running. None of ours are. Uh, We want you to start a bachelor's degree. And I said, uh, I'd pray about it. In my mind, I said, I'm going to tell them no, but it's a lot easier to tell them no from Senegal with an email than it is to uh, tell them face-to-face. But I had said I'd pray about it. So as I prayed about it, I went home and I was praying. Uh, The Lord said, pull out your dissertation. So I did. And there were those indigenous principles that no one had figured out how to implement in Africa. As I read through those, every one of them, the school was doing it. The Lord said, my people have done this and they can do this. You serve them. So instead of sending an, I am not going to do it back, I, I documented the, the model that was being successful there. And I went back and uh, showed the leadership. And they said, that's what we want. And so I started on a bachelor's degree. So once again, you see, I'm basically in amanuensis, watching what God's people are doing, putting it together, you know, writing some books to help. And, um, and we got the, we got the degree, Mr. Jacob and I got the degree going. And then that's when the cancer came and God took me out of the picture. Mr. Jacob finished up the bachelor's degree um, it was evaluated from actually a professor from the U.S. went out to evaluate it and was very impressed at the computer degree we put together. Um, and uh, then I, uh, from there, the, the, the belief that, um, the belief that the African Christians could uh, take that model and develop their own um, educational system and improve their systems so that they could use their own principles and, and build it all from a Christian worldview. God's perspective instead of man's perspective just grew and grew on me. I really, I, I believe um, that if, if the church in Africa does not take the leadership in, in education, that, uh, we will be in a very sad state. The Western educational, I won't go into the details, but the Western educational system, everybody knows it's broken. Everybody knows it's hurting. Uh, a simple example is 69 out of 100 of our students who graduate in the United States from the United States colleges are comprehensively illiterate. That means they can read, they can tell you what they read, but they don't understand it. It's 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 staggering. 
Um, but not all, not all, but much more importantly, not from that, that perspective, but from the perspective that they they know nothing about God. They know nothing about where they come from. Their stories, the story we're made from stories. Our brain does not work like a computer. It does not work like Greek logic. Mm-hmm. We are logical. We reason and all those things. But our brains work on stories. And when there's not the story's not there, we fabricate. And when you don't have God's story, you're like a you're you're cut off from the source of life. And and so an ed- educational system that isn't giving students life, what's it given them? So this is this is my passion. And I believe the Africans where the church is actually growing can can take technology and turn this thing around and develop really high quality education that will first of all glorify God and through that give people, students purpose in life. And through purpose in life, John Wesley said, transformed people transform society. They can give the world hope. Without Christ, the world has no hope. Without people of Christ, there is no way the world's going to have that hope. Education is not the answer. But an education that doesn't point to Christ is, is, is a hindrance. It's not a help. So that's where 10.3 came out of, that passion that Africa can do this. We can serve them. They can build a system. Our system is designed in such a way that it's a small seed thing. And let, let me explain that. May I explain that now? Yeah, um, I, I will mention that we're sort of... We're coming on the the end of our time, uh, but we can okay. we can go ahead and share that. And then I do want to make sure that we get some contact information for people um, when you're done with that, so that if somebody wants to connect with you, that they can. Yeah. So summarizing that up, where ten three is, where the heart and passion is, it's going to sound really silly, but our passion is about standards and about people seeing what they can do and having a passion to glorify God and have educational standards that are truly good. And it seems why standards seem strange is because most people don't think about standards at all. When it comes down to certain kinds of standards, like accreditation, schools in Africa, they only want accreditation so that they can uh, put it on their, it, 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 to, uh, it's a hurdle. And they'll do anything they need to, including bribing, to get that hurdle done. It isn't. It has nothing to do with wanting to have that. And that's becoming more and more everywhere, where standards are just something in the way because I have to have that to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it is everywhere. That's not how it was first and initially developed. And so I'm going to go back to my snowboarding. There's a snowboarding association. I'm proud to be a, a part of it. There is no twist. There is no you have to be part of it. It's they're quality teachers. And I want to be a quality teacher. I I got a kid's life in my hands when I'm out there. I want to be the best I can. And so I purposely want to be part of that organization. I purposely want to improve my quality and my level so that I'm up the standards. What 103 is trying to do is help Africans see that they can develop a really high quality educational system. And if they start with just a few small standards that they can do them do themselves and, and use those and with educational process, 
they can continue to grow and improve and and they don't have to be they can lead um, in education if they're doing it from the right motivation with the right heart and they're and they're seeking God and and using standards to help themselves go forward so I've gotten a little bit too philosophical there on you nah. but that's that's what drives me is seeing Africans saying we can be the best to glorify God. And I see Africa taking that all around the world so that the whole world is blessed. And that comes back to a strawberry plant, and I won't touch it, but the church has always been like a strawberry plant that sends out its runners, and then fruit starts going from someplace else. And our history, real quick, from Germany to England, from England to America, from America to many parts of the world, now it's time for Africa and other parts of the world to send out those runners. And one of the ways they can do it is by having a godly education. That's that's great. I really appreciate you sharing that. I, As I'm listening to you and we're recording this, I'm already thinking of some specific people that I want to send this information to because they're deeply involved in the education system here in the U.S. And I want them to hear your perspective. So even though we didn't follow the, the typical questions and flow, I'm absolutely fine with that because I believe God had something different for us today. And that's great. If somebody wants to connect with you and with 10.3, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm thinking the best way is probably through info at 103.org. Um, not because I don't want to be connected directly, mm-hmm. but because there is a really good team and people are typically going to get better answers uh, from the team than they are from me. For example, the other day, uh, Joe, Jenny Beth, the curriculum department had put something together and Joe said, this is the best thing I've, you know, I've seen and because <laughs> it was so well organized and I don't organize in those particular ways. So the best place is to start with 10.3 because they're going to get the best, cleanest, crispest answers. Mm-hmm. If they want to personally talk to me about something, then the team will pass them on and I'll be sure. glad to talk. With you. Okay, that's great. And for those who are listening, we will have all of this information um, in the show notes, you know, the, the link for getting to 10.3. And then all of the information summarized that uh, that Anthony shared with us today at the in the show notes, and that'll be at engagingmissions dot com slash Anthony Petrillo, and the lat Petrillo is P E T R I L L O. So that's where you'll find that information. Uh, now, Anthony, we are at the end of the time, so as much as I hate to cut this off, we do need to cut this off. But thank you so much for being here today. I can't tell you how inspiring this has been for me, and how much I appreciate all that you've brought to the table with us. I am very grateful to be here, too. Thank you. All right. That's the end of our time with Dr. Anthony Petrillo. I'm really thankful that we were able to do this. I thought that he shared some great things. I do know that this didn't follow exactly our normal interview flow. I really believe that that was the leading of the Holy Spirit as he led us through this and shared just some amazing stories from Dr. Petrillo's life. I would really like to thank him for taking the time to do this, for being available, and for being willing to share all of that. As I mentioned, the show notes will be available at engagingmissions.com slash Anthony Petrillo, and Petrillo is P-E-T-R-I-L-L-O, or slash 33 is in the number 33. Right there, you'll be able to find all of the information, all of the resources and everything, as well as a summary of the show. 
One other thing that you'll find there is something that I'm excited about that I wanted to share with you. I've been working on a solution, and I'm continuing to work on a solution to be able to send things like care packages to missionaries. One of the things that we've heard from several interviews is that it can be really encouraging to receive something tangible from your, the people that love you, your supporters, your prayer partners, uh, your financial support, supporters. But we also know that it can be a little bit challenging. Now, I don't necessarily have all of the bugs worked out, and I'm still working on some of the things that go into the package. If you'd be interested in helping me find out if this is something that we can do in helping me shape what might be in a package like this, visit the show notes and use that link to sign up. I'll use that to communicate what's going on, what it looks like, and to solicit feedback from you. And I'll also use that to share information with you that you might ask a missionary that you support and make sure that it meets their needs. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to design something that will meet the needs of a missionary and encourage them. As always, I am interested in hearing from you. You've, of course, you can leave a comment on the show notes. That, again, is at engagingmissions.com slash Anthony Petrillo. Or if you'd like to shoot me an email, send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. One other thing I wanted to share that I'm really excited about is my friends Mike and Nacelle Preby over at Memory Peel are working on their newest set of peels. It's Memory Verses for Children. They're in the process right now. It's not done. But if you're interested in connecting with them and finding out what they currently have going on and also finding out a little bit more about this Memory Peel that they have for children, go visit MemoryPeel.com. And one last thing. Whether this is your first time here, or if you've been with us from the very beginning, I'm really thankful that you're here. If you haven't yet, it would mean a whole lot to me if you would go to iTunes and subscribe to the show and also leave an honest rating and review. And I know that that can sometimes seem a little daunting, so I do have a short video set up that will show you everything that you need to know. And it also has a link right to iTunes so that you can do this. And you'll find that at engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. It's really easy. It's about a four-minute video. shows you what you need to do to click through, subscri- subscribe, and leave a rating and review. That, again, is at engagingmissions.com. Thanks again so much for being here. I really appreciate it. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.